Welcome to the Redeemer Community Church podcast. The following audio is from Redeemer Community Church located in Johnson City, Tennessee. We hope it will be encouraging to you as you listen. How's it going, Redeemer? If you have a Bible, we are going to be in Matthew chapter 3 this morning. We're beginning a brand new series called Family. And what we're going to do is we're going to set that up this morning. And then for the weeks to come, we're going to unpack some topics under that theme. We're going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk about parenting. We're, we're going to talk about singleness. And I believe this is going to be really good for the life of our church as we enter into the next season of, of life for Redeemer. All right, so Matthew chapter three. Before we jump in, I wanna ask a question. Have you ever heard someone talk and express discontent for the church? Maybe they'll say something along the lines of, I mean, I just get more out of playing golf and being in nature than I do with going to church. Or I'd much rather just grab a drink with some friends and I feel like we talk more about life and more important things there than we do on Sunday mornings. Or maybe it's along the lines of, I just feel like this non-church group, fill in the blank, whatever it is, that they do a better job of being the hands and the feet of Jesus than any church I've ever been a part of. And we could just keep going, but have you ever heard someone express discontent for, for what they think the church is? I know I have, and maybe that's you this morning. You're going, it's kind of where I am. I'm a little bit frustrated. I just don't think this is what Jesus thought of when he started this thing 2,000 years ago and, and what it's become. And so, well, something that's interesting. I was listening to a headhunter, someone who helps companies find employees. I was listening to a headhunter speak and, and he was talking about staff turnover within, within major companies. And so he studied all these Fortune 500 companies and they found that it's really hard to get an employee to stay with you for three years. I mean, if you're getting someone to stay with you for three years, you're doing great. But there are a handful of companies that are having employees stay six years and more. And so they've studied those companies to say, what are they doing that's getting their employees to stick? And what they found is that in the past, people valued things like marriage, home ownership, having kids, retirement. And when you look at just the things people value and things they want, and now those things are falling down the list and things that are rising, things that are rising is, is things like independence. And so you're seeing instead of buying a house, people are living in really cool apartments where there's low level maintenance, which allows them to just get out of town and go on a, a cool vacation to have an experience. People are delaying marriage, delaying kids. And, and so those things aren't necessarily as highly valued as they once were. But with those things falling down the list of values, there is a need we have as humans to belong. There's a need we have to belong, to, to be a part of a family. And so when companies are able to create a staff culture, where employees look to their place of work and say, those are my people, that's my fam, that, that, this is my, 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 my family. When culture is created within companies like that, employees tend to stick much longer because that need to belong is being met at the workplace. So, so the point being, if you want employees to stick, create a staff culture that feels like family, okay? Well, that need to belong, 
That's, that's a human need that we have. That's why people join fitness boot camps. It's why people join social clubs. It's, it's why there are people that go to interest groups, right? We, we want to belong. We need family. And that need is meant to be met by the church, at least by one of the functions of the church. It should be meeting that need for us to belong, for us to have a family. But what's happened is people are finding more effective ways to scratch that itch. Now, let me say this. There are not better ways to scratch that itch. There are not better ways, but the church needs to do a better job of being who God created us to be. Because when we are who God meant us to be, what happens is things like CrossFit, things like fraternities and sororities, things like business network groups and other rotary club and other social organizations, those things begin to, to take second place to your involvement and to your commitment to God's people, to the local church. All right, so the church needs to be better. So the question that I have today, the question I want to wrestle with is, how do we, Redeemer Community Church, become the church God created us to be? How do we become a better expression of who God is to the world we're in? So how can we be the, the, a better expression of, of who God is to the world we're in by being the church that God created us to be? And so I, I want to go to Matthew 3 today. Um, Matthew chapter 3. Let's look at verses 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. So Jesus shows up to his cousin, John the Baptist, and goes, I need you to baptize me. John the Baptist goes, I think you should baptize me because you're Jesus. And Jesus is like, nope, um, we need to fulfill some stuff from the Old Testament. All right, so you're going to do this. And John goes, okay, you, you're the boss. All right, so Jesus is about to get baptized. Now, verse, verse, verse 16, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. I love this text. Now, I self-identify as a theology guy. I love theology. And so one of the theological tenets of Christianity is the Trinity. And here in this, this text, we see God. We believe that there's one God who exists in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so in one section of scripture, we see all three persons of the Trinity present as Jesus, the Son, is getting baptized, as the Holy Spirit is descending down upon him and resting on him like a dove, and as God the Father speaks and says, this is my Son who I'm well pleased. And so generally, I've read this and I've, I've, I've found the theological stuff and then I've moved on, but there's something more going on here that I do not want to miss, something that's so significant when you study the book of Matthew as a whole and understand that there's different movements happening. This is, this is a first movement that's going on. There's something so important to get that I don't want us to miss. Now, 
How do we get that? Let's think about this. Um, the Old Testament, the last book in the Old Testament is Malachi. In Malachi chapter one, some of the last words we hear God speak, he's talking to Israel and, and he's, he's kind of, he's warning them for being half-hearted in the way that they, they follow him and love him and are committed to him, this, this half-heartedness. And he says that you have not, you've not given me the honor that a father deserves. So some of the last words that Jesus speaks in the Old Testament is that of a father. Okay, so he, he identifies as being the father of Israel, the father of his people. Then after Malachi, there is 400 years of silence. That is known as the intertestamental period, the time between the Old Testament and New Testament. But God is silent for 400 years. He's not speaking through prophets. He's not speaking audibly to anybody. He's not showing up with angels. 400 years of silence. Now, the first words we have from God, not a messenger, but from God, are in Matthew 3. All right, so how does he break 400 years of silence? He does so by saying, this is my son. And by identifying Jesus as his son, he is introducing himself as father. God chose to break the silence and to reintroduce himself to his people as a father. You see, God is our father. Jesus is our elder brother. And we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. Right? We, God, is, God is showing us that one of the first movements of Matthew is to understand the importance of family. To understand the importance of family. Right? So what's interesting, uh, I keep saying that what's interesting, a lot of stuff is interesting, okay? But last week we talked about the word disciple. How the word Christian is only used three times in the New Testament. The word disciple is used almost 270 times, um, but that word disciple, as important as it is, as crucial as it is to understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus in that word disciple, the word disciple actually disappears after the book of Acts. It disappears, it's no longer used. It is replaced by the word brother. Why? Because the early church understood itself to be a family. Right, so the word disciple is replaced by brother because the early church understood itself to be family. Right? The early church understood itself to be family. So here's the one thing I want us to understand today. The one thing I want us to understand is what is the church meant to be? That's what I want us to get at. I just want to make sure that we leave this morning today understanding what's the church meant to be. So first, let's just clarify the church is not a building or a set of programs. Right? So the church isn't a, a place you go, it's a, it's a people that you are to be. Okay? So it's not our building. You do come to Redeemer as a church organization, right? but, it's, but that's not the church. The church is not the building. The church is not the programs. It is the people who come together. That's why we can go down to Founders Park or, or somewhere else and have a worship service and, and still be the church because we're not confined to a set of walls. We're not a set of walls. right? So that's what the church isn't. But what is the church. I mean, I would, wouldn't it be awesome if the Bible just gave us a definition? Here's what church means. Church defined, right? Wouldn't it be awesome? Well, good news. Let me take you to this. Wait, there isn't a verse. There's, there's no verse that gives us a neatly packaged definition. Instead of giving us a verse, you know what the Bible gives us? Over 90 metaphors. 
It's, it's like it's like a temple, it's like a bride, it's like an army, it's like a flock. It's all these metaphors that tell us what the church is like. And so all these metaphors give us a piece of the picture and all of a sudden we have to take all these different pictures that are given to us and start to piece them together and we can build out and begin to understand more fully. But instead of God providing with us a perfect, neat package definition of what the church is, he gives us all of these metaphors. But in those metaphors, um, one stands above them all. One stands above them all um, because it's actually not a metaphor. It's not metaphorical, it's literal. You see, a metaphor tells us what something is like. Something literal tells us what something is. And so the, the, the picture that we are given, the metaphor that we're given that is actually literal is that of a family. You see, the church isn't like a family. The church is family. Okay, the church isn't like a family. The church is is family. So the one thing I want us to understand is that Redeemer is meant to be a family. Redeemer is meant to be a family. And here's why that's so important to grasp. God has existed eternally as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? Community. God as the Father, Jesus as his Son, this relationship bound together through the, through the love of the Holy Spirit. There's, there's family. God exists in community. One God, but three persons in community. So for us, if the church is meant to be an expression of who God is, we cannot express who he is unless we too are living in community as a family. You see, that's, that's why community and family is so important because it's an expression of who God is. And the only way for us to be an expression of who he is to the world we're in is by existing in community as a family. This is really important stuff. If we want to look like Jesus, if we want to look like God the Father, if we want to look like the Holy Spirit, if we want to look like that to the world, we've got to be a family. This is, this is, this is crucial. This should be one of the highest values that we have is to be family so that we can look like God. All right, so a couple years ago, there's this phrase that, that became really popular where, where people would say, Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. And that is, wow, that's good. Like we need to understand, yes, like God's not concerned about, you know, are you following my rules and my regulations? It's, it's like, yeah, like this, there are commands to follow, but it's, it's to give us life. It's to, to show us what's best. It's, it's not to put his thumb down on us and to control us. God, God doesn't want to control us like that. He wants us to relate to him and to know him as a good heavenly father. So yes, it's a relationship. It's, it's not a religion. Okay. But we need to take that a step further. We need to take that a step further and to be willing to say Christianity is not a relationship singular. It's relationships, plural. Okay relationships, plural. So, so what do we do with this? Well, here's the problem. The problem we have is that instead of being like a family, we've become more like an orphanage. Instead of everyone taking responsibility and ownership, we've begun to, to, to rely on just a few caregivers. It's like, well, you know, that's the pastor, that's the staff team. Those people do everything, we just come. And it's like, we're just relying on caregivers instead of taking ownership and responsibility and, and saying, no, this is, this is something we're all a part of. We've become more like an orphanage. And, and instead of being this, this life-filled organism, 
we've become much more like a, a cold, stale organization. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that. So I, I just, two things. Um, one, one, I need to take ownership of this. Um, in our American church culture, the path of least resistance is to become an organization. It's to, to be the orphanage where a few caregivers do all the work and everyone else just comes. That's the path of least resistance in the American church culture, unless you fight against it. And, and if you're not fighting against becoming that, you will float downstream with it. And, and so I need to apologize. Um, as the lead pastor of Redeemer, I have not been fighting like I need to be fighting to go against that, that stream. Instead, I've just been trying to keep my head above water. I'm like, COVID, <laughs> I'm trying to, trying to float and try to, try, to, try to tread water and just breathe. And, and in that, um, we've been floating downstream. And, and so I wanna apologize and take ownership for that and say, I'm sorry for not fighting as a leader like I should be fighting. So I'm sorry. But two, I, I wanna not only apologize, I wanna ask for your help. Look, I'll be the first to tell you that Redeemer is not the church we're meant to be. Um, don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying we're bad because I believe Redeemer is one of the best churches, period. I mean, out of all the churches I've, I've seen, out of all my friends that lead churches, out of all the churches I've been to, this is where I want to be. If, if we moved to Johnson City and didn't go to a church or work at a church, this is where I'd want to attend. This is, this, I love what's happening here but we're not where, we're, where we need to be, okay? We're not fully where we need to be. And I wanna say, will you help us get there? Will you help us get there? A, a few caregivers cannot accomplish the task that God has called us to. It's gonna take a family effort. So I apologize for leading us in a way that has allowed us to become more like an orphanage, um, but I'm asking you for help to help us become a family, all right? Will you help us. So how, how can we take steps as a church? How can Redeemer Community Church take steps to leave the orphanage and to enter into a family? Okay, how can we take steps? First, it takes commitment. The first thing I want you to know is that it takes commitment. There's the story in the Old Testament uh, about a girl named Ruth. And as you read this story, there, there's interesting characters. You, you have this lady named Naomi, and so she's, she's left Jerusalem. She's kind of a prodigal and she's bitter, right? So you have this bitter, you know, prodigal woman. And then um, she's got Naomi with her. And Naomi is a, a, foreign, a foreign girl, you know, a foreign girl with no family. And then you have this, this guy named Boaz, who's kind of a, a handsome, you know, graying bachelor who's really noble. And they become a family. And so as you see this, you're going, that doesn't make sense. Like th those people don't fit together, right? Because, I mean, Naomi, she's Jewish. Um, Ruth is not. She's from like a wicked people. And then you got like, it's like, this doesn't fit. And I love that imagery when it comes to the church. Because when it comes to the church, we should be a group of people that people look at and go, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. They don't fit, but they're, they're so tight-knit that like, what's going on here? And so what we see in the book of Ruth is that there was a bond that held them together that was greater than themselves. 
right? There was a bond. And so what is the bond that is meant to transcend us and hold us together even when it doesn't make sense? Well, the bond in Ruth is this, this word called hesed. It's a, it's a Hebrew word that there's really no English word that can do it justice. So you'd have to combine 20 words together to get a full picture of it. Um, and so in Ruth, it's translated kindness. It's like the kindness of Boaz, the hesed of Boaz. But you also see that love mentioned that the hesed of God, and then instead of saying the kindness of God, it'll be the love of God. But when that word love is hesed, um, it's talking about God's covenant love with his people. It's, it's this way of saying, even in our faithlessness, God continues to be faithful to us. It's how God's refusing to let go of them. And that's what we see with Boaz. He, he's like, I, I, I got my kindness, my love, it refuses to let go. It's, it's fully committed, okay? So the, the Hesed love that God has for us is the same love he wants us to have for each other as being a part of the family of God. Like the, the love that we should have for those within this family is that I'm committed. Like I know your flaws, I'm not going anywhere. I'm committed. Even, even when you mess up, I'm going to remain faithful. I'm committed. That's, that's the type of love we want to embrace and we want to embody. So when, when it's, it's, I'm, not just, I'm not just here when things are easy. I'm sticking even when things get hard. So, so one, it's going to take commitment. Um, two, it's going to take action. The second thing, it's going to take action. My heart, as the pastor of Redeemer, the, the lead pastor of Redeemer, we have multiple elders who are pastors and shepherds as well. Um, right? But as the lead pastor, my heart is that anyone who says Redeemer's my church, I believe you should be known, loved, and pushed towards Christ. Those are, those are three things that I think are all biblical that are benefits of being a, a partner or a member or a part of a church. I think you should be known, loved, and pushed towards Christ. And if this is, if this is your church, I want that to be true of you. So let me explain what I mean by, by those three things, because that could just be a catchy phrase that we just say and don't live out. So when I say known, all right, that means that you're more than a number. It's not uncommon for people to say, well, how many people go to your church? And like, well, pre-COVID, uh, we had like 620 right now. I have no clue. Like we could have grown, we could have shrank, no idea, right? But like it's, it's the numbers game. And I don't say like, you're, you're not a number. Being known means that you're not a number, you're a name, okay? It's like cheers. Where everybody knows your name, all right? And so, so, so we're, we're, you're not just a number, you're a name, but more so than just a name is you, being known means that people know your story. They know who you are, where you come from, what, what shaped you to be who you are, how you came to know Jesus, and where, where, where you've had highs and lows, and who are your heroes, and, and how has all this worked together to shape you to become who, who's in front of me, right? Being known, like the, 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 it starts with cheers, right? Where everybody knows your name, but that's not, that's not the destination. That's just the starting point. We want to continue to know people, to know their names and also know their stories. So being known is, is being more than a number. Being loved, right? Being known, being loved. Being loved means being cared for. That means that when you're loved, people don't just know how you're doing. They know how you're really doing, and they're willing to walk by your side in that. I think about um, a couple of months ago, um, a hero of my faith, someone that I looked up to and respected a lot, um, they, they took their own life. And um, it messed me up. It really, it put me in a bad place. And, um, and I, I was talking to a few friends about this and, and, um, and they could tell something was off. And that night, my buddy Mike, 
um, he texted me and he said, are you at home? And as I'm reading that text, Lucy, my wife, she goes, someone's outside. <laughs> and so I'm like, well, it's just too late for someone to be outside. Are we getting toilet papered? Um, and, so, and so it turns out it's Mike. And, um, and so he came over to my house and we went and sat in my garage, um, and just sat down and talked and, and hung out. And, and actually, I would say I probably did more of the talking. And, and I remember, I'll never forget what he said. He goes, Jeff, I don't, I don't know what to say, but I do know how to show up. And that's, and so sometimes, you know, being, being loved is, is knowing that people are there and they might not know what to say, but they're going to show up. So we want to be known, we want to be loved, and then we want to be pushed towards Christ. Last week, we talked about how, you know, in Australia, the ranchers say there's two ways to keep cattle in, in a ranch. You can either build a fence or dig a well. And we talked about how following Jesus isn't about living within the boundaries of the fence and knowing like, I just don't want to get out. Like how far to the boundaries can I push? It's about seeing Jesus as the well and coming to him for life. And so when I say push towards Christ, I believe that everybody is on a journey to step closer to the well. And so what I want for Redeemer is that you would be, you'd be constantly encouraged and held accountable to take your next step of obedience. We all have another step towards Jesus to take. My step is gonna be different than your step. Your step step's gonna be different than their step, but we all have that next step of obedience. And so we, we want to take part in discipleship and helping each other take that step, encouraging people to come closer to Jesus and holding them accountable to their actions. And so we wanna push people towards Christ, okay? So I want us to be known, loved, and pushed towards Christ. And for this to happen, we can't be an orphanage. We have to be a family. And so what I want to ask today is, will you help? Maybe you're thinking, I can't preach. I can't lead worship. Have you, have you heard my voice? And you're going like, I don't know what I can. And here's the good news. Preaching on Sundays and, and singing in worship and leading worship, that is, that is a, a, a small fraction of Redeemer. And so maybe you can't do those things, but you know what you can do? You can pray for those who need to be prayed for. You can remember a name. I mean, instead of just coming to your seat and walking out, you can say like, hey, I haven't had a chance to meet you. Like how long have you been coming to Redeemer? And what was your name? And, and then commit to like, I, I'm gonna remember that person's name. And when I see him next week, I'm gonna say, hi, fill in the blank name. Like you can, you can remember someone's name. You can bring a meal. Kids are popping out like crazy at Redeemer right now. Meal trends are going out. You can, you can bring a meal. You can mourn with those who mourn. Even, and this might sound, sound like such a small thing, but it's so much bigger than you realize. You can participate in worship on Sunday. Maybe there's a song that you're singing, you're like, this isn't really doing it for me. Well, what if the song's not for you, it's for someone else? You can still participate in a way that helps to encourage them where they need to be encouraged. You can participate and we can just keep going, but there are so many more things that you can do to help us be the family that God's called us to be. All right. It's a big task. I feel a little overwhelmed. I don't want to just throw this out here and, and let it fall. I want us to live this out. And I'm just, I'm here to say, I'm, I need you. We need you. Will you be a part of helping us become the church God has called us to be? Will you take part in helping us to become a family? A family made up of brothers and sisters in Christ. God, thank you for your word. Um, 
I love this church. I love who we are um, and the work that you've done and that you're continuing to do, but, but I know that there's something more we're called to be, and we need your help. We need your strength. We need your guidance, but God, we need each other. And so, God, I'd ask that you would um, light a fire underneath us, that you would fuel our spirits, um, that you would break down barriers. God, that you would give us a holy energy. God, I'm asking for a holy energy to come behind us and to help us take some steps, to come up with an action plan, to be a part of being the church you want us to be. God, that's the church that, that Johnson City needs to see. And that's the church that other churches need to be inspired by. That's the church um, that you've created to be one of the primary, primary vehicles for making your love known to the world. And that's who we want to be. So God help us. So now we pray. Amen. At Redeemer, we love to respond through communion. And we do that almost every week. And so that's where we, we take bread, we take juice, um, we, take, we take some form of carb and, and some form of beverage, whether that's juice, wine, something else. Um, but we do that to remember that the last supper that Jesus had with his disciples, where he sits down with them and he, he takes bread and he breaks it. He says, this is my body for you. And he takes a cup of wine and, and talks about how there's this new covenant that he's creating with, with his people. Um, which with this new covenant means it's not about what you can do, it's about what he's done. And we want to remember that. But today, here's what I want you to do. I want you to hear these words from, from 1 John 3.16. It says, By this we know love, that he, speaking of Jesus, he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers or for the brothers and sisters. So as you take communion today, I want you to take time to confess um, where you've begun to rely more on a few caregivers than being a part of the family. So just ask God to forgive you for that. And then remember that, that Jesus died for us, for his church. He laid down his life for us. And ask God to give you the strength and you the energy to begin to lay down your life for others, to begin to commit yourself to that said type love to this church. Can't wait to continue to unpack family next week as we dive into marriage. I hope you'll join us again. Leah's gonna lead us forward and we'll see you soon. Thank you so much for listening to this audio from Redeemer Community Church in Johnson City, Tennessee. You can connect with us and find out more information at RedeemerCommunity.com.